Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of Muhammad Ali, Tequila Ocho Trending, Brands, Modern Politics, and so much more with the second installment this week. Kind of a gift to myself, this second chat with Mr. Tomas Estes, the legend, the titan of tequila, the hospitality giant. So many wonderful things to say about Tomas. And this second chat is exactly what you want to experience with Tomas. You want to talk about life. You want to talk about sex, drugs, Frank Zappa, modern politics, the civil rights movement. So many different rich, rich topics here in this second chat with Tomas Estes. Got to spend some great quality time with him this time around in San Antonio for the cocktail conference. And this chat was the last piece of that wonderful weekend right before I headed back to Austin. So I really, really look forward to sharing this with you and just an amazing man, an amazing time sitting and chatting with him. So without further ado, here is round two of my chat with Tomas Estes. these changes that I'm affecting in my life? Yeah. Hard to say. I would say it's easier. But when I travel, like on this very trip, it's always something that I have made up. It's always something that I've created. So it's not someone else telling me, Tomas, you have to go, or you get to go, but in, in a way it would be you have to go to San Antonio. Um, I'm going to be on the road since about four days ago I started. It'll be 100 days Jeez. on the road. But it's, and, and it's all things that I've put together. Yeah. So it's all things that um, I'm looking forward to. They're all things that I've made up. They're all things that I'm inviting and wanting to do. Is this the Asia trip you were talking about? Yes, part of, uh, five weeks is of that 100 days are spent in Asia. That's incredible. Which Any specific spots you're looking to check Absolutely. Out? We start in Singapore, then go to Hong Kong, then go to China. Wow. China will be a week. And I haven't... I've been on Ocho promotions in Singapore and Hong Kong but not in China. Interesting. And so this could be a very, very good market for us. Yeah. China. Then we go to Thailand, Malaysia, Cambodia, Vietnam, and the Philippine Islands. Some of those countries I've not been to at all. I think it's going to be pretty not. I mean, totally and, new experience. You know? And I'll be with son Jesse, okay. who we, we travel very well together. Yeah. And he helps a lot with things logistics like uber or where is this or or, or, uh, gps Mm -hmm. which 
is a is a great help for me. Plus, he shares the presentation, okay. which is sometimes half and half. Sometimes he more, sometimes me more. So that gives me the feeling of latitude that I can again choose how much I want to do or not. Yeah, it's nice to have the flexibility, and I think you're at a point where you've done so much. It's not so bad to have help from your son, you know? Do you see... How old is Jesse now? 28. 28. How old are you? I'm 30. going to be turning 37. So, yeah. It's old, right? It's (laughs) surprising because because you you keep your youth so well. Not only your looks, but your (laughs) spirit, your boyish-like enthusiasm. This is the greatest part about this, Tomas, is that Ladia's... She's looking at you and saying, "You're right, Tomas." <laughs> the, that's what she's. It's not my boyish looks. It's just that boyish, troublemaker kind of spirit. You know, nothing that would hurt anybody. But I don't mind playing a prank now and again. Doesn't hurt anybody and doesn't hurt you, yeah. and it serves you well. All in good fun. Do you see? As you kind of maybe, maybe you want to write more in the future. Maybe you want to take some time in nature more. Do you see your son kind of stepping more into the forefront of Tequila Ocho? He he already has in his own way. Mm. Before we sold those two bars and restaurants in October, he was working probably 50 or 40% of his time behind the bar there. Oh, okay. So already he has filled in much more with Ocho. Yeah. And yes... I want to continue writing. I just finished an article on a bar from Cyprus called Lost and Found. Cyprus, have you heard, wow. Have you heard of Lost and Found? No, tell me a bit about Do it. Do you know the 50 best bars in uh-huh. the world? Absolutely. Sort of uh, nonsense. <laughs> I'm one of the judges, and I still find it arbitrary. How about that? Subjective. Subjective, okay. Extremely okay. subjective. As, as all lists are, you know. Even though I have to say I'm grateful that they do, they, once the 50 best bars are established, mm. then they, the same magazine, Drinks International, goes back and polls the bars uh, on various things. Right, right. And Tequila Ocho got number one in the tequila category of trending and I, I what does that mean I don't, yeah i don't know and number two of selling top selling out of all of the choices number one was don julio mm. and then of favorite products of any category ocho was number four oh that's behind great. tanqueray delma gay and one other one but it wasn't a tequila, so it was the top tequila. That's amazing. So back to Lost and Found, I was there with my son Jesse, Alba Huerta, Mm -hmm. and my nephew James, James Estes. I don't know if either of you know James. No, I haven't met James. He's in the bar community. And so we visited there. I did an interview with the owner, Dinos, and just finished my article and I've sent it to Clint Kaywood. I don't know if you guys know Clint no, Clinton of Imbibe Magazine oh, UK. Great. So that will be coming out. So I'm still 
I, I love the I love to gather things to write and write because it gets me into the mentality of the journalist, the investigative journalist, mm-hmm. which you have. You have naturally. That's what you're doing now, I believe. I appreciate that. Well, I hope. It's, it's one of in, in, inquisition, of, of questioning, of searching. Mm-hmm. And then it's one of receiving that, processing it, mm-hmm. and then reporting on that yeah. from a point of view and hopefully with style and verve and some some unique lens right and and hopefully yes and hopefully in a stimulating way that yeah. the reader will be compelled through and that it will be uh nutritive and fun mm-hmm. so the answer is yes and um <laughs> ever since the book came out my book uh the tequila ambassador I've wanted to put out the original version. So I wrote a version that was changed by the editor. And what I want to do is bring out the first version, which was more personal. It was more stories. Gritty? Grittier? Which? Grittier, the original. Has more kind of grits, more uh, action, maybe? It's, it's more personal, ah. so perhaps it is grittier, and it's less technical. Okay. Um, my publisher, Difford's Guides, wanted it more towards the bar community. I see. Especially about f- temperatures of fermentation it's and that sort of technical. thing. It, it, it's it, technical, it, and I think there's a place for that, sure. but there was a place for the other more memoir type stuff almost right? indeed yeah so some of that's still in there but not to the degree that it was er- first written yeah do you like because i think about what twists and turns your life might have taken some of which i know and some of which of course i don't know and i wonder do you think the perspective if you pen let's say tomas we're going to start from ground zero and you're going to have a memoir do you want someone to act as kind of an autobiographer for you, or or bi- you know, a biographer for you, or do you want to be the one that writes it single-handedly? Does that make sense? It makes sense, and the thing that comes to me immediately is that would depend on who yeah. would be the the uh, stimulator, the person that plays off me. Yeah, I believe I could do it on my own. I'm sure. However, if it were someone like you, I think it would be... Uh, a bigger someone like you who is uh, perceptive and inquisitive and has a uh, an original mind mm-hmm. and uh, I think you you could a person like you could lead me in uh, very stimulating places I think we we always write with our particular lens and sometimes that means not letting ourselves appear vulnerable, not letting ourselves appear like we're flawed, whereas, of course, all of us are very flawed. But you seem to be someone that is very transparent and that has never been one to tout their strengths over their weaknesses. Can I share with you what I'm studying, what I'm yes, learning yeah. and practicing? 
That is to be as conscious, aware, mindful, mm-hmm. present as I can instead of living my life automatically or uh, with knee-jerk yeah. emotional responses that are programmed like, like your computer right. into me by other people. And I find that owning up to my own life Mm. Taking full responsibility. Actually, I take full responsibility for everything that happens to me. Yeah. Sometimes I can't put together how it is my responsibility. Sure. Some things are dead easy. <laughs> I step yeah. in the street and I get run over. That's my easy. responsibility. Yeah, sure. Other things are a little more subtle, much more subtle. So I want to share this with you because... You ask an earnest question, and I feel you're an open person, very, very open and receptive. When I take responsibility for something, it gives me more power. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Can you understand? You can see that. You can feel it, can't sure. you? And if I shirk the responsibility, you lose. it takes. Yeah. And I am interested in having my own personal power. Yeah. I don't, I'm not interested in power over either of you. Well... No, that's not true. No, here I am. <laughs> the duality. Coming. I would yeah. like for you to like me. Yeah. I would like for you to want to be with me. I would like for you to... Uh, all those positive things. Mm. And at the same time, I'm, I'm more and more seeking being whoever I am. Yeah. And I, and I, and I feel like I can be with you. Mm. I don't feel judgment on your part. That's, that's scary, yeah. feeling like being around a judgmental person. It's like in a foreign language. Oh, right. If I'm trying to speak some foreign language and I feel somebody's judging me, man, I can't say one thing. Yeah. If I feel like there's somebody that just doesn't even care at all, I'm fluent. It's easy, right? Easier. There's a lot of interesting things happening in your life, but it... In the greater world, in the greater United States, right? This is something I think, as I've talked to a lot of people, and there's been the transition of power in D.C., there's been a very interesting change in narrative that really, really parallels skirting responsibility. That's why it's a kind of a natural topic to transition into. How are you feeling about the United States, about people in general? Are you still optimistic about them, about us? Yes. I'm an incurable optimist. Yeah. Otherwise, I never would have done the things in my life that I've done mm. that were daring, crazy, or stupid. Yeah. Um, and with the United States, Mike, did we talk about the two poles? I don't think so. In, in my view, the two poles of life. I don't think so. On one extreme pole is pure love, mm-hmm. and on the other side of the extreme is fear. Mm, that's right. And then everything fits in between there in some degree or another. In, in my view, I would say that the world, mm. likely led by the United States, is gripped more and more with fear. Sure. It's so chilling that it reminds me of... 1984 Mm. 
which I never read up until about five years ago, and I read it and I thought, oh my God, how could this man have seen this? Yeah. And, and it's so frightfully true now. Mm. So I feel like, I feel like the president-elect is filled with fear. Sure. I, it feels like he plays to fear. It's the same in France with uh, Marie Le Pen and her party. Mm -hmm. It's the same with uh, Holland with Gert Wilders mm -hmm. and his party. Brexit was an example of fear yeah. that the British left the United Kingdom. Uh, the, they left the uh, European Union. Yeah. And uh, so it's not isolated only to, to the United States. Sure. And to, to, to finish that, I think there are a lot of fearful people, and I think that they are being, being manipulated mm. by the system and by the powers, <laughs> a la 1984. Right. I mean, they stay in their place when they're fearful. When, when, they're not f when fear creates conformity, it creates staying stuck. Right, because you're afraid of doing anything else. Love is diversity. Love is movement. It's open. Yeah. And political systems don't like that. They can't deal with it. So I still, I, I was in my teens and 20s during the 60s. The Cuban Revolution was over in 1959, if I'm not mistaken. We had segregation in this country up until 1961 or two or three. Right. Nobody really kind of can tell me when segregation was over. And the later 60s were, was filled with civil disobedience. It was filled with mostly uh, nonviolent. Right. And it was a wonderful time of change, of, of love, of these are generalities, of course. And um, I think that this is a perfect time to revisit that. And I, I get, uh, I'm in touch with, call them progressive organizations, mm -hmm. that seem to be aware of the urgency to stand up, to speak up, right. to stick together and to do what's in their hearts when you, when what is you, integrity. When you see people protesting uh, with signs, there's been a massive anti-Trump movement. Now, I don't know that that's so different than every election where someone who doesn't agree with that, the results will protest them, but do you think that the way in which we facilitate that now, this anti-Trump movement, is peaceful, that it is full of love, or is that rooted in the same hate that made Trump powerful in the first place. It's my sincere hope that it's not rooted in hate and fear. And it seems like during the primary, the Republican primaries, and then the presidential nomination, mm -hmm. the violence that Trump embodied, yeah. 
that he created, that he stimulated, I think that that was so visible, so palpable, that people saw that and were abhorred by it. Yeah. And, and so hopefully as a result, the let's call them the anti-Trump, the non-Trump, the progressives, whatever name we right. give them, let, uh, I certainly hope that they will not go in the violent way. We'll see. I don't think it will be that way. I don't think it'll be a, a violent revolution. I think that that's actually the problem, probably, is that it will be so subdued and so marginal, it just incremental. We'll just keep moving incrementally in a direction, and we're like, oh, shit, we're totally going the wrong way. How do we turn the boat around now? You know, it's, it's an interesting place, and does it feel new and unique? You've seen a lot of different eras of the United States, things like you mentioned, let's say the hippie movement, let's just call it that, civil rights movement. Does this feel like a unique piece in time and history, or is it, I've seen this before, because you've lived it. To me, I, I take it as being more intense. Yeah. More intense, more powerful, the, the hate, the yeah. fear movement and therefore more scary because the consequences can be dire to think that this man wants to increase nuclear armament Mm -hmm. and that he he who makes very quick unfounded statements that i'm assuming are decisions of his is 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 so childish yeah. <laughs> that it's dangerous. It's absolutely dangerous. So those are the difference that I see in intensity mm-hmm. and possible annihilation. Yeah. It's interesting that never felt possible, but maybe it does now. I don't know. It's a very interesting place to be. But let's focus on love then for a minute. It is one of the poles that kind of creates the parameters for life I think and you're right fear is kind of on that up opposite side and you get a, a larger sense of that walking around the streets every day which is interesting a but larger sense of, of, of fear people being fear kind of being st- almost paralyzed by fear you know what I mean uh, career wise creatively these kinds of things but to focus on love though this you've been married two times when we talked about yes that. has love done by you well has it done what it needed to do for you in that respect mike how do you find these wonderful wonderful (laughs) questions um so we we know that the greeks have four or five words or terms for love Mm -hmm. and what this what i want to say with this is that i'm going to answer you with different versions of love uh, agape is love that is given and asks nothing in return. Mm-hmm. Do you know La Capilla Bar in Tequila Town? I've never been there, but I've heard Did, of it. Have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. It, it? It got to be number 19 at one point of the top 50 best bars, to go back to that illusion. Yeah, right. It's still my number one bar in the world but it's dropped off the 50 which actually pisses me off and disappoints me but Don Javier when I have asked him a number of times 
what's going on here? Why do people come from all over the world on a pilgrimage to see this bar and to see you? And he said, it's respect. It's that I, everybody's welcome here. I said, respect is love. And he said, it's not respect that you may be thinking of. It's the love. It's the, it's not the love that you may be thinking of. Mm -hmm. It is that asks nothing in return. Sure. So that's the love I'm speaking of. Now, the love I've been in, in two relationships, starts out as a, an erotic, romantic love. That's another, that's eros. Yeah, eros. Right. Okay, another form of Greek word of the same thing we say love. Mm. For me, those started off as... Uh, this romantic, lustful, sexual cocktail, <laughs> cocktail yeah. that turned into dependency. Dependency is not love. Between, be Between myself. Yes, there cannot be dependency one way. Okay. It has to be both ways. I see, I see. The one that depends and the other one that facilitates the dependency. Got it. And... Um, taking full responsibility for my side of it, mm. I did not keep my independence in those relationships. Right. Now, I'm so glad that your wife's here with us <laughs> yeah. because I'm not going to preach to you, but that to me is of such an important part that each of you, each of anybody in a couple, mm. that you love one another in whatever ways you do and you're going to, and check in on dependency mm. and how independent you remain, especially for your own well, your own sense of self-worth, right, right. your own self-image the more that you can keep from depending on the other one right. for that validation or others, except the other beloved is so much more powerful. Mm. The more you can do that, I would say, the better life you'll have. Yeah. Do you ever think that, uh, I've talked about the first marriage, for example, beyond the dependency that you speak of, do you think that you were... Were you open to love and being loved in the same way that you are now after having lived probably much more of a life? No. Mm. In the first marriage and the second marriage, there was much more idealization. In which sense? Idealization of this story, this myth. Mm. Disney stories. Textbook stuff, right? You meet someone and they will complete your life mm. and you will live happily ever after. It's, it's, it's a myth of romantic love that is not true. I don't know anybody that has achieved that. Yeah. It's just not reality. So... Call me jaded, call me um, burnt. Um, I still 
very much believe in love of all this of all the forms of all the the um ways that it's expressed sure. and i think that that love creates wonderful things sure. i have four boys and i'm so it's amazing glad that i've got them mm. never changed that part of my fortune my life my I, um, unrolling of what I am and what I'm doing um, and I think I'm, I'm 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 much more genuine in relations now yeah because I don't have a big idea a big fantasy that something unrealistic is gonna happen in there right I think I can be much more myself and encourage and allow the other person to be much more themselves I mean, that's a, some of us, it takes us years to be able to get there, decades even. And do you think that each of those times where you, you became more, more mature, right? So you go through heartbreak once and then you emerge a different man or an enhanced man. And then the second time that happens again. So is it ever too late? Is it ever going to be too late for you to let someone in? your life like that? No, we talk... You, I, no, I don't believe it at all. Yeah. Um, you are using the word mature or maturity or maturing, and um, there are other ways to describe that, and that is becoming more aware, ah, okay. becoming more conscious, becoming more mindful, Becoming more, making um, decisions intentionally, right. in, intention. There's something else in my life that is my age. So being 71, mm -hmm. I'm losing my uh, my libido. I sexual drive. Right, right. And so that is radically different for me to be around women. How does that, how does that feel inside that, that your it body's changing? It feels much more self-contained. Mm. It feels much more calm. I, I'm not looking for somebody else to express something that for me for most of my life was really a very strong drive yeah a, a, a strong drive to pair up with someone sexually mm -hmm. or to even make a sexual sale ah what, it, is, what is that yeah what would you mean a sexual sale would mean meeting someone mm -hmm. feeling like i sold myself to them uh -huh. that i could that I could have a sexual relationship with them. I see. Close uh, the deal. So just the deal. Yeah, yeah the deal. <laughs> that's a, uh, an, an, an ego thing. Sure. That's a, that's a, maybe that's what it really is for, for men, you know? It's, it's not about a true connection necessarily. No, it can be and it should be, but it's closing the deal, you know? Sealing the deal. But is it, does that give you a sense of relief? maybe now that 
Oh. Your, your main focus, perhaps, is purely maybe cerebral now, that it's more emotional. My, it is a big relief, and my focus now is much more on myself. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for an exterior relationship. I'm looking for my interior yeah. relationship. As you really come into the self-actualization phase, right, which is kind of mm, a constant that's a, pursuit. That's a term right? that I will be very honest with both of you. I, I would aspire to that. Yeah. But to think that I could achieve it is something that I would not pretend. Yeah. The way in which you at least evolve in that sense. What kinds of things help you be... In other words, I think about religion for some people. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's the mechanism which allows them to expand their mind. Alcohol, not imbibing, but understanding the terroir and the plants, this thing that's very, very romantic and passionate. Has it been different things for you at different points that expand your mind? Or has there been kind of a central theme, Buddhism, for example, that just helps you evolve? Somewhere way back, in my late teens or early 20s, I fastened on the philosophy, perhaps it's even more than philosophy, the reason to live of making the most of myself that I could. Yeah, That's why I went to Amsterdam after being a teacher for seven years. I had a wonderful life, very secure, but I went to Amsterdam to learn about myself to have new challenges mm. and that's why I went from Amsterdam to London to Paris to Cologne to Milan to Sydney Australia I just kept jumping okay. around and that's why I joined in on uh, a tequila brand yeah to give myself challenges to see what I could find Push out yourself. about myself yeah and I'm still doing that and still growing and developing yeah does it ever become hard or do you wrestle with the fact that you got to keep moving? Some people are content with staying in the same place. It, it happens in phases for me. Mm. I, I will challenge myself a lot and then I'll burn out. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll have gone too far. Yeah. And then I rest up. I, pamper myself, mm -hmm. I eat well, I, I rest, I exercise. Recharge. I recharge. Yeah. So it's, it's a cyclical thing for me. Hmm. And I have not been one that has gained much from religion. Yeah. It's my own personal belief that religion is more fear-based than love-based oh. as a generality. Interesting. Spirituality yeah. is something different. See, I would call Buddhism spiritual and not religious I would agree yeah and um, to seek inside myself for salvation or stimulation or that mm. is is something that I've enjoyed I take solace with but not religion so much it's a little too standardized you know it's like saying here's the universe of unlimited possibilities and infinite outcomes but here's a book that tells you how exactly they're going to come out that seems somewhat naive to me to think that we 
as people can begin to understand the vastness of everything that exists. But spirituality says the opposite, I think. And at least this is my interpretation. I mean, you tell me what you think. But it's connection to everything in all its vastness. Religions, in my understanding of them, say, follow me. Mm. And spirituality says, follow yourself. Ah, to me, that's a giant difference. Absolutely is. So many, many different phases. You know, this is the thing, Tomas. Is like, what do you, you know? What do, what do I? Everything about you is is interesting. You, Thank you. That's very kind of you, Mike. It, I well, find the true. same. Well, I appreciate the, that. The what you see in me is a mirror of yourself. I believe. I think that that may be true. I think in this case, that absolutely is true. But I think maybe that's that happens a lot with people. Is that maybe we? It does for people that are aware. Yeah. Is there, it feels like this, this era, this, this phase, or this chapter, let's, let's put it that way. Because let's think of your life as a book in a sense, right? Okay. This chapter seems very, very open, very peaceful, very optimistic, very dedicated to agave. But there have been dark chapters for you? Oh, I've done things that have been trials that I'm... I'm not proud of, yeah. but I went through them, and I've learned, and I maybe I got some meanness. I got uh, my, some of my shadow side out of me. Maybe, hopefully, I've you expelled the darkness. Exercised it, exercised, hopefully yeah. expelled it, hopefully. And that you know, this is it's funny that I've I've actually never been in the room when you said this. Uh, but you've been arrested multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> How I many? A, I was a juvenile delinquent. Yeah. I've been arrested five times. Nothing serious. Yeah. I've broken into a place. I've stolen cars. I've uh, street fights. Are you a tough, tough guy? You seem so peaceful and zen-like that you wouldn't let somebody get a rise out of you like that, at least in the form that I've met. There was that time when I had something to prove to myself. That was, in fact, most of that juvenile delinquency was prior to me being a wrestler. Oh. So as soon as I became a wrestler, two years in high school and four years in university, Mm. I learned a lot about myself. I learned how tough and how not tough I was. Yeah. I didn't have much to prove after that. I think that's a healthy way to get it out there and exercise it as you said it, it was for me it worked for me talk about exercise exercising yeah. yeah when you I had this conversation uh, with another masterful guy in the whiskey industry recently and he's he was a teacher as well at the university of glasgow and then he worked uh, for diageo for many years now and something that i really wanted to know from him because i love british music and we talked about bands so we talked about the clash, you've seen the clash, the buzzcocks, the jam. Can you just to nerd out for music for a second, you what is one of the most memorable shows that you've seen in your life? Frank Zappa oh. in Rotterdam. In Rot what year are we talking? <sighs> That's how good it was. Seventy <laughs> I don't remember, early 70s or oh, late wow. 60s. Describe that, that room. Oh, it was a big hall. Yeah. 
and uh, everything that Frank Zappa represented to me was part of my life in Holland. Mm. The countercultural, the do your own thing, yeah. uh, original, daring, dangerous. That was Zappa. I had a lot of respect for him. He always did what he, marching to the beat of his own drum. Absolutely. Always. And had a very influential life on others. Absolutely. Positive way, too. Really, he seemed like a really cool guy. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? No, unfortunately not. I would have so appreciated that. Being in the liquor industry, it's an interesting parallel. It kind of runs adjacent to celebrity in a way. I don't know if you've ever noticed that a lot of celebrities and personalities in the media really, really love brands. They love to drink brands. Mm-hmm. In your kind of career now in the liquor industry, have you got to meet any of your particular idols, any of your particular influences? In the liquor? You, and we can expand that out to the whole restaurant I, industry I, as oops. well. I have in the restaurant, son Jesse mm-hmm. had a fun experience in Cannes with Selma Hayek. She, oh, really? she released a movie on Cahil Gabran's The Prophet. Mm-hmm. And The Prophet, Cahil Gabran is from somewhere Sufi land. Mm. And I believe that's uh, part of, at least part or all of uh, Selma Hayek's background as well. Oh, okay. And she wanted Ocho to be at the opening of her film at at, um, Cannes. Mm -hmm. So Jesse, my son, went down there and did the party for her. Oh, that's so great. And it was so fun. I loved it because... She was calling him on his cell phone yeah. to arrange it. And it, it's very flattering. I have to be open to being a groupie. It's very <laughs> flattering that she pays attention and likes our tequila. Mm. And then there is actually a video clip of Jane Fonda being on Mexican television saying that her favorite tequila is Ocho. Oh, that's got to be profound for so you. So those things are... Is that surreal? Gratifying. Yeah. But I mean, of course, never one of the focuses, but it's always nice to know that someone that you look up to, I mean, Jane Fonda being a massive part of that movement. We talk about civil disobedience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Man, it's an amazing thing. So you've lived a very illustrious career, and I think you've had an effect on a lot of people. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Absolutely. And I I think we both know that what you've done to shed a light on tequila production and how earnest you've been about it and transparent is it's an inspirational thing so as a as as one of the things that has happened in this massive career this massive lifetime thus far what what do you hope to leave as kind of a legacy for people if i can leave a legacy of some of the words that you've been playing on that you've concentrated on If I can leave a legacy of love, people in mindful Mm -hmm. choices 
of choosing love rather than fear. Yeah. And we can all do it. And sometimes we may stay back there in the fear and move on this decision a little towards love, and the next one becomes easier. Yeah. So if, if I could have an influence on people choosing love, which is, in all of its ramifications, transparency, authenticity, um, honesty, yeah. all the things that go with love, that would be very, very gratifying to me. Mm. That'd be enough. It would be more, way more than enough. It's amazing. All right, so are there some next? I know that there's expansion with Ocho. You guys will have, of course, another vintage come out every year which is an amazing thing it's so fun to have that that's to so me cool. that's yeah. love conformity and commercialism is fear yeah and diversity and non-conformity is love so every time a new one of these comes out we encourage it to be whatever it's going to be yeah and so that's like this creative love is creative mm-hmm. fear is destructive so yeah, it's it's so. I I could say it seems like an accident that this happened, but probably it's no accident. Serendipity, yeah. I think it's something that I've been blessed with, and done a, an amazing job of sharing with people. You know, access is actually really a key thing here to be able what, to what is access. You know, access. Yeah, in the sense that you are a conduit to this beautiful plant, this beautiful land, and Carlos and you have worked together to make some just delicious, delicious tequila. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for bringing that to, <laughs> to everybody. This is going to be a hard question. This is be my last question for you. And I hope, I think it was Roosevelt who had the fireside chats but way back in the day in which he would talk about a topic and people would listen on the radio. And this is kind of what I really enjoy about chatting with you is I hope we could do these in installments and maybe it becomes something even larger than what it is. But I, I take great pleasure with talking with you thank you likewise it's it's really really a pleasure Tomas so this is going to be a hard one you are why are you saying that because I think you you probably have met many of the people that might be uh, eligible to answer this question you are drinking your favorite tequila at your favorite bar in the world and you can sit and have a drink and conversation with anybody living or deceased who might that person be? What am I drinking? Where am I? And who is it with? Well, more about who, but sure. Okay, the who would be Muhammad Ali. Oh, man, really? Oh, yeah. You never had, but I figured you guys maybe could have been contemporaries at one point. You know? We are contemporaries. He's a little bit older than me. And I, he's a man that I respect as an athlete. So I'm a wrestler, yeah. he's a boxer. Not much difference in, the, well, there's a difference, but a lot of similarities. Sure. He is a man that exhibited incredible courage yeah. in standing up for, first of all, in forming his own ideas. I'm, I'm sure the nation of Islam had a lot of influence. By the way, if he would be joined by Malcolm X, yeah. I would be double, more than doubly pleased. Um, he had his, 
he was an original man mm -hmm. and I believe and so courageous he stood up to the United States government and said I'm not gonna go into your army and fight your war yeah it 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 captured and took away his best years as an athlete mm -hmm. and he did it he stood up for that he's a man with integrity courage all the things that I admire and would aspire and I believe through it all he's had this sense of humor yeah this gentleness Lightness this boyishness sure and this love I think I think Muhammad Ali was all about love mm. was he perfect absolutely not but he's a perfect hero for me yeah it's amazing I think that's a lovely answer and inspires me to go back and watch some of those fights, the rumble in the jungle, right? Part one, and the part two. And the lead up to them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tomas, again, it's been a pleasure the second time. And perhaps we can dive into even more here soon enough. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks Thank so much you, for Mike. sitting with me. Thank you. Safe travels, yeah? I love you. Likewise, Tomas. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for doing this. It's my pleasure. Well, there we have it, another very rich, philosophical, worldly, spiritual conversation with the epic and legend man, personality, persona, Mr. Tomas Estes. It's great to sit and chat with him about anything and everything. It doesn't always have to be about the tequila. He's lived so many lives in so many different places and seen so many things. So it's time to dive into that, and I hope that this is not the last chat that Tomas and I have. And, you know, we talk about writing and we talk about memoirs. And I, for one, would love to see a very in-depth and gritty narrative about Tomas's life. I think it would be just riveting. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how you're feeling about Amazon show Sneaky Pete with Giovanni Rubisi and Brian Cranston, I think I'm liking it. Or if you go back and ever watch those 80s horror anthology shows such as Tales from the Dark Side, please keep dancing.